0: with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: Good morning. Welcome to After 9. I'm your host, Derek Allen. My panel today is John Sikowski, Herb Martin, Peter Ewart, and James Steidl. We're going to start off with uh, uh, Peter. He's going to give us a little uh, history of the Canadian Labor Congress and... Maybe get into the uh, Labor Day holiday and what it represents. And uh, a few other things. Uh, It's actually got about three different topics. And we're just going to kind of let Peter go for it. And and, uh, then we can ask questions if we choose to. And then we're going to move on to federal government for a little while. And then we'll go from there. Go ahead, Peter.
2: Yeah, the the first thing I'd like to discuss this morning uh, is an article that was uh, written by Sarah Cox, in the Narwhal publication, uh, discussing a provincial government confidential briefing note obtained through the Freedom of Information legislation, and this briefing note is about how the BC government wants the federal government to use public funds to pay half the three billion cost, three billion dollar cost, for a for a new electricity transmission line between Prince George and Terrace. It would supply power to the province's LNG on the north coast, as well as critical mineral mine, the critical mineral mines, including projects owned by some of the world's biggest and most profitable oil and gas and mining companies. The electricity would come in part from the Site C dam facility in the northeast of the province and to be used to cool the natural gas and make it ready to be exported by ship to foreign buyers. The project would enhance the existing power transmission infrastructure between Prince George and Terrace as well as some additional lines in the north northwest. This would be in addition to Ottawa already chipping in 97 million for dollars for a project to increase the capacity of the existing transmission line between Prince George and Terrace. These transmission lines would impact 14 First Nations with whom some kind of agreement would have to be worked out and it cuts across agricultural land, trap lines and woodlots and and would have a significant environmental effect. Presumably, the $1.5 billion the province is requesting would come about from the $20 billion set aside by the federal government to support major clean electricity and clean growth infrastructure projects. However, there are critics of this pro- proposal. For example, environmental groups and the Green Party which are working on climate change issue, have said any public funding for electricity infrastructure to help the liquidified natural gas LNG industry amounts to a fossil fuel subsidy. And this massive subsidy, subsidy comes at a time when catastrophic forest fires linked to climate change, and climate change according to which many scientists believe is uh, coming about because of the overuse of oil and gas and the fossil fuels, And which is, uh, you have these forest fires currently burning burning up vast regions of the province and country, endangering homes and livelihoods. By further ramping up the LNG industry, critics say that it will be impossible for the B.C. government to meet its legislated climate targets. And one thing, it should be noted that LNG Canada is already set to receive, uh, according to the article, 5.34 billion in other subsidies from the B.C. government. In addition, the Narwhal article is is saying that government and LNG discussions have been going on for some time behind closed doors and that the B.C. government may already have reached a decision to go ahead with the transmission projects even though the environmental reviews are not completed. Supporters of these transmission projects will undoubtedly point to the number of jobs created as well as regional economic development. Critics will say that this is just one more example of governments handing over billions of dollars of public funds to multinational corporations with little economic benefits and a big cost to the environment. In other words, we're not getting a good deal the way things are going. They will also undoubtedly argue that there's far too much secrecy associated with the transmission projects, as well as the whole thing with Site C itself, with the public and communities left out in the cold in terms of decision-making. In any case, this is an issue coming down the pike. There's just some preliminary comments. In the weeks to come, I'm sure we'll have more to say about this whole issue.
1: Yeah, for sure. The uh, I don't think we'll get into it today unless we run out of things to talk about. But uh, these things don't just happen. you know. The sun didn't shine on something on a log, and it started to grow. They've been working on this for a number of years. We didn't even get around to discussing why... BC Hydro's forecast on the needs of electricity was short by three years. They're going to run out of electricity three years sooner than they said they would. A lot of the stuff they know just never goes public. And our elected representatives don't seem to know. The only thing they seem to know about BC Hydro is if they turn the switch, the light comes on. And we never, we never get any discussion from them about what's going on, what they think should be going on, why it's going on. Like, what's their job in Victoria is just to... You know, find out what the uh, cost of an airplane ticket is back to Prince George. I don't know. I don't hear anything from governments. And uh, uh, I think they should maybe have a a meeting once every couple of months and tell us what's going on. Anyway, we'll move off from there and uh, get into... Peter, you want to go to the labor thing?
2: Uh, Sure, yeah. Uh, What's coming up is the 2023 annual Labor Day March and Celebration in Prince George. Everyone is invited to this March and Celebration on um, September 4th uh, in Canada Games Plaza, and it's going to feature a short march through downtown at the, uh, starting at 10, 10.30 a.m., followed at 12 noon by a celebration at the pa- plaza, which will include speakers, music, lots of free food, games for kids, display booths, and other activities. The Labor Day Organizing Committee is, o- is coordinating this event along with the North Central Labor Council and upwards of 30 other local unions and community organizations. Now the theme for the festivities this year is labor movement past present future fighting for the rights of all. The purpose is to highlight the vital role of labor in our community and the many contributions the labor movement has made to the betterment of our of all in society. These include fighting for the 8-hour day and child labor laws restricting child labor Improve safety standards both in the workplace and community, maternity leave, pay equity, public education for all, old age pensions, ending job discrimination, many other rights and achievements. And the struggle goes on today. You know, we, we have a situation today where a lot of things are, that were achieved before are being rolled back, you know, by big corporations and governments. But in any case, um, invite everyone to come out in the community to come out. So that everyone kids adults pensioners families are welcome to come to the Canada Games Cam- plaza on, on <coughs> September 4th have lots of fun enjoy some free food and entertainment and everyone is welcome. Food's going to consist of barbecued hot dogs, snow snow cones, porc- popcorn, juice, candy and other treats. And lots of funds for kids including the inflatable bouncy castle, face painting, Fort George, Little Miniature Railway, railway, Petting Farm and other activities. Entertainment is going to include the the local band Cottonwood along with Kevin Hutchings and other local musicians. So just one of the interesting things about um, Labor Day in Prince George, it's one of the largest, uh, in the last several years, it's been one of the largest attended in the province and the country with upwards of 1,500 to 2,000 people attending. So a uh, similar numbers expected this year. For further information uh, about uh, Labor Day, the people can contact Matt Baker at 2505633669 uh, or M Baker at IOUE115.CA. Look forward to seeing everyone out.
1: Okay, thanks Peter. I'm sure people got all that got the phone number. And picked up on that one phrase about free. That'll get your crowds up. And uh, I just wondering, am I allowed to pay, or do I have to go for free? Anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's enforced freedom here. Oh,
1: okay. (laughs) So we'll move on. You've got another one you want to do there, Peter, while you're on.
2: Oh, okay. Just hold on a sec here. Yeah, there's another event that's coming up on September 9th uh, at Clayton A Memorial Park, and it's the Parkin the annual Parkinson Super which happens all over the province. And it, the Parkinson Superwalk is the largest annual fundraiser for the Parkinson Society BC, and its uh, event licensor Parkinson Canada. So it, it's uh, you know what this is all about is raising money, like. Um, the Parkinson's Society is a, is a non-profit society, and it's about um, raising funds and all this to look, uh, look at uh, creating awareness, uh, doing research on uh, how to deal with this um, devastating disease. More than 100,000 Canadians live with Parkinson's, and it's a number that's expected to increase substantially in the coming years. They're not exactly sure why it's happening, but the numbers are going up significantly. So, uh, uh, anyway, everyone is invited to come out to the Parkinson's Super Walk on, and that's on Saturday, September 9th. Register starts, registration starts at 11.30 a.m. And for all those who want to register or donate to the Parkinson's Super it's a, it's a good cause. Um, they, they can, uh, visit, uh, parkinson.bc.ca slash superwalk
1: Okay, so there we have it. Canadian Labour Congress, Parkinson's, and uh, what was the first one again, Peter?
2: Oh yeah, Canadian,
1: yeah, the Canadian Labour Congress. Uh, And of course, the holiday. So we're going to swing over a bit now. I think we'll go to uh, James. You wanted to talk, James, about your circular society, or uh, whatever you call it. And what was the other one? Bears? Want to talk about bears? Or two bears?
3: Yeah, I don't know. What's the what's the panel want to talk about here? There's a, net, there's a new article in The Citizen today about um, there, uh, the provincial wildlife guys were talking about uh, all the bears in town. <coughs> I don't know if you guys want to talk about that. but Sure, go for it. We should one, talk about it. One other thing, oh, uh, speaking of which, I was on, on my ladder there last night painting uh pan- painting my barn and uh you should have seen the size of this bear that comes by right he didn't see where i was he he came very close to where uh i was right above him biggest bear i've ever seen huge and uh i yelled at him and he didn't uh didn't pay me any attention usually i can scare those guys off but not this one so mm-hmm. careful out there folks so yeah i was reading this article and the biologist said there was lots of berries around for these bears there's no shortage of food and i was like what what the heck are these guys thinking like man it's it's been the worst berry crop i think i've ever seen now my raspberries I, I probably got 10 raspberries usually i get like pounds and pounds of these things this year i got 10 raspberries uh the blueberries i i've i've seen nothing out there for these things uh the saskatoons we did have a decent saskatoon uh run but it seems like they got this fungus real quick and they all kind of rotted away I don't know if people notice that but yeah times are pretty slim out there for those for those bears and i just want to make a, a one commentary on on this bear debate which is uh the kind of forest that these bears prefer and what they prosper in and nobody's talking about it and i know you you guys are sick of me saying this all the time but it all comes back to the aspen you guys and There's research done in Alberta decades ago that shows that the the vast majority of of the food is in Aspen forests. That's where bears can find food in all parts of the season when they're active and more of it. And, you know, we, we have to recognize that the best Aspen habitat is right around Prince George. Once you get within uh, outside of like 20, 30-minute drive of Prince George, it turns into something completely different. So I'd just like to see that uh, talked about a little more when we talk about uh, bears. It's uh, what kind of habitat do they need and what are we growing as a a consequence of government policy. It's not bear habitat. It's uh, pine plantations which have very low to little food for bears whatsoever. Uh, So that was my little diatribe on that. I don't know if we have time to get into the... uh, into the other topic. Anybody else yeah, we'll have something later. to say about that? We'll see later. Herb, what do you got to say about the bears?
1: We're going to go to a break, and then we'll go to Herb. And uh, He didn't shave for a while, so he looks like a bear.
4: <laughs> in a confused and broken world, truth, hope, and light are found in the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Join us Sundays at 7 p.m. as we host Pastor Chris Gordon of Abounding Grace Radio. Pastor Gordon preaches from all of the scriptures with a special focus on how they testify about Jesus. Brought to you by Prince George Canadian Reformed Church. Don't miss Bounding Grace Radio at its new times, Sundays at 7.30 a.m. and 7 o'clock p.m. here on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
0: Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, PivotLeader.com. At pivotleader, we help you grow, train, and sell
5: your business. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats, founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982. Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Senior's Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from relatin to patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Centre. Forecast from Environment
6: Canada, mainly sunny today with fog this morning and local smoke this afternoon. A high of 28 with a high UV index. Clear with local smoke tonight and a low of 9. For Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud with local smoke and a 30% chance of showers late in the afternoon, a high of 26. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince
0: George, this is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: Okay, we're back. I just caught the tail end of that weather report, clear with local smoke. So I can keep that in mind as part of our life right now. Uh, so we're going to go to Herb now, and uh, he's going to give us his take on uh, the bear situation.
7: Well, Actually, first I'd like to just go back to something that Peter was talking about, the, the Labor Day uh, celebrations and um, just some background. Uh, Canada, we're, we've still got uh, 29% of the workforce unionized. It's a big drop from 38% in 1981, but we're well ahead of the U.S., whose uh, union rates are down to 11.3%. And just before people start, you know, there's a lot of a lot of anti-union sentiment I've heard bandied about recently. But one thing to keep in mind is that five of the uh, uh, top uh, 10 unionized countries in the world are Iceland, Sweden, uh, Denmark, uh Finland and Norway and they all enjoy a a good standard of living I believe uh, Norway and Sweden are right up there in the in the top five uh, for for income Uh, I believe Denmark has been voted uh, the happiest country in the world for many many years in a row now so you know there's a lot of benefits that a lot of people don't uh, or maybe don't realize or or take for granted about unionization and um, it's just something to reflect on this, this coming Labor Day. As far as bears go, yeah, I mean, I, I do a lot of biking around town, uh, go through uh, Cottonwood quite often, and um, there's no shortage of bears this year. And they're looking a little desperate. There's, um, uh, you know, it, it's it's sad, but I think uh, conservation officers have already put 21 down, and I believe, just over the last three weeks or so. So whatever people can do to... You know, keep a, a lid on the garbage uh, garbage bins, and uh, maybe not put the garbage out too quickly. Uh, every little bit helps.
1: Well, you know, we got uh, you know, everybody seeing a bear has got a different story. I've been here for a long time. I've never seen so many bears in Prince George in my life, and we're talking just, you know, forget about my whole life. Just the last sixty years—it's just unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Like thousands and thousands and thousands of calls about bears. Uh, Twenty-one put down, more to come, and they're all over. And there's a, something seriously going on here. And they didn't. I didn't see one that looked hungry. They're podly. That guy do you see in there, uh, did it look hungry?
3: Well, he was an older bear. Uh, well, I don't think it was a, a female. I didn't see any cubs, but um, it didn't look fat. I'll tell you that much.
1: Well, check their dumps. I'm telling you, they're huge dumps, and they're all full of berries. They're doing good. I got one in my backyard, if you want to get a picture. And uh, never had a bear in my yard in 50 years I lived there. Never seen one come through that residential area. Seen at least five or six in the last couple of weeks. And they're all over. That's just the ones I've seen. And they're getting down into the parks. They're getting down into the schoolyards. I went down past Dutchess Park the other day and right in front of the playground there, great big bear dump. You know, this is serious. You know, there's something serious going on here. So, what's chasing You think it's garbage? I just checked this morning driving around. There's not a garbage can tipped over anywhere in, in that area.
3: Well, I, 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 I drove out, uh, I was out on Chief Lake Road yesterday. I went down the Paradise Road there, uh, south uh, off of Chief Lake. And, man, there's like a lot of fresh clear cuts for developments down there. There's like. They must have clear cut 20, 30 acres, uh, huge lots. Like they just clear cut the whole works for these huge monster homes. You know, and that's kind of happening all over on that side of town. Uh, a lot of people are doing private logging right now if they do have timber. So, I mean, there is a lot of development and, and disturbance of forests going on within, within or very close to city limits. I, I think that's not, and, and the stuff that happened down on the Fraser River down, uh, you know, bare meadows there by College Heights. So we're we're going into this, these uh, bear habitats all over the place. And like I mentioned, this is good bear habitat around town and we're cutting that down, so maybe maybe this is a, a result of that as well.
1: I think we have to look at uh clear cuts for sure. We have to look at forest fires for sure. We have to look at uh um, their truck. natural their natural area they're being apparently chased out of there by grizzly bears. And the grizzly bear gives you a simple choice, leave it or I'll kill you. Maybe I'll kill you and eat you anyway for the bears. So they get out of there pretty fast. We also have the the only dump we have now is probably like uh, <clears throat> Leavenworth Prison or something, only it's designed to keep the bears out, not allow them to get in. They get, you know, it's fenced off and all the rest of it. I'm surprised they don't have some guards on there. <clears throat> so when they run out of all the options, the only one left is come to town because we've eliminated all the other ones so we've got high priced help and conservation and the rest of it how come nobody can do some tracking and find out just what's going on it's it's a phenomena it's it's really different than it's ever been and the numbers are really different than they've ever been and somebody should be explaining what's going on here and what are we going to do about it what do you think john
8: yeah i think uh, maybe having a chat with uh, the conservation office and finding out if there's been a if the, the change in the habitat, the, the logging and the clear cutting in, in, the residential development areas, that's probably, you know, disturbing dense sites. Uh, well, you mess with their food, they're going to come out in the open. So I, I think that's probably has something to do with it. We've also had fairly mild winters the last few. So, uh, that's caused their cycles to be disruptive as well. So it's a hard call.
1: Yeah, and the other one I think is the. Uh, I keep forgetting what. What I was going to say, but the. Uh, um smoke. Ah, no, it's not the smoke. Although I'm sure that's part of it. Well,
7: drought is, is, is definitely a contributor. I, I mean, I, I, I do some mountain biking through the, through the trails around uh, university, and the uh, the berries are definitely way way down, so it's uh, and and everything everything looks pretty dry. Yeah, so now, I'm sure but
1: but but at the beginning, like especially the Saskatoon's. I never seen so many Saskatoon's in my life as this year. It was a bumper crop, and and somebody was talking about raspberries. They don't eat raspberries. Well, they do, I guess, so they get hungry enough. But they're in my yard, didn't eat any raspberries. Didn't eat any, not very healthy looking corn that was in the, uh, in the uh, garden. Didn't touch that.
3: Anybody so. see any blueberries out there?
1: I haven't been out that much this year to see no, I saw someone no.
3: save on, but yeah, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> not out in the woods, no. Yeah, it's it's hurting. Yeah, there's there's no blueberries.
1: Yeah, well, some people say when they're out looking for mushrooms, they see a lot of blueberries, but they're mostly gone now because the bears ate them all. So it just depends where you're at what, what and what, what's happening.
3: What what was a bumper crop this year was apples yeah. on, on local trees. Like, I've never seen my apples do so good as this year. So that might, you know, a lot of apple trees are in the urban areas. That might also be... Uh, one of the things is some of one of the best crops is your apple trees in your backyard so
1: but but no bears in the apple trees so how do you explain that what they walk right past oh the no. apple tree oh yeah I've don't even
3: look at it oh well, i i've got uh underneath maybe if they're oh no, them. they climb up there and they get it you've in had there. one up there? oh yeah this year oh every year you
1: didn't answer the question this year oh yeah 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 no. me too've i they had uh
8: two up the little apple tree in my front yard which is great for traffic along the speak they stop like right now <laughs> we'll look at the bear up the tree but yeah that tree is pretty much bare now so I've seen two or three of
3: yeah and usually I've got the apples up there until you know middle of September is usually yeah. when the bears are up there and this year they like they, they cleaned it off two weeks ago yeah same here
1: these are small, big apples small apples
3: well they're crab apples but they were okay, they were the yeah. biggest I've ever seen them.
1: Because I've seen uh, some of the trees in uh, in the area where I live, and people take pictures of them. I, the berries that they're eating are not apples. They're little red berries. Oh, the cherries. And, and yeah, I guess the cherries or something. That's where they're at. They'll walk right past the crab apples on the street and don't even look at them, just keep going. And they're laying all over the street, and they yeah. don't do it. They don't care. It's really weird. Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, Maybe we'll talk about Justin, just in time.
6: If you are affected by dementia, you are not alone. The Alzheimer's Society of BC offers in-person and virtual support groups for caregivers and people living with early symptoms of dementia. Learn, laugh, and help others through mutual understanding. For a listing of upcoming support group meetings or more information, visit alzbc.org. Registration is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936-6033. In-person and virtual support groups from the Alzheimer's Society of BC. Sign up today.
4: The Q3 Creative Business Hub is home to the Q3 Community Market. The market has tables available for home-based businesses year-round for greater exposure of your products and services. Reasonably priced in the air-conditioned comfort of the Q3 Creative Business Hub, it's ideal for crafters and independent professionals alike. Reserve your table today by emailing q3building at gmail.com. The Q3 Community Market,
5: Saturdays from 8.30 to 2 at the corner of Quebec and 3rd. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats, founded by Ben and Rossella Clausen in 1982. Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Senior's Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available on most items, including pierogies and sausages, and are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from relatin to patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Centre. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level?
7: Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict... Hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader. will help you grow, train, and sell your business.
0: It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: Okay, we're back. I'm going to let James finish off on... uh... He was talking there before I get to Herb. You wanted to talk on that subject? Or do you want to do it later?
3: Yeah, it's a just um, it's a perennial subject that I I'm always interested in, and that's the ability of uh, the ability that the average person has to repair the products they purchase. Uh, I've got an old washer machine; that thing's still running. Uh, back in the old days, I used to be able to fix these things fairly easily. Uh, it's probably from the 1970s maybe it's not efficient but when you add up the the fact that it's still going and and i haven't had to buy a new one you know that counts for something um i think in today's uh world we're always throwing stuff away instead of trying to repair it things aren't really designed to be repaired Uh, it's called the planned obsolescence you know it kind of started with the light bulbs at one point they used to make light bulbs that uh, would last for a 100 years and they figured out a way to make them burn out so they could sell more light bulbs and i think that that philosophy is is run rampant across across our economy uh one of the one of the things that kind of piqued my interest here recently there's a facebook post that went viral about a guy who had to uh take off the grill and the front bumper of his of his new ford f-150 to change the headlight and eric there before the show you talked about uh you know this isn't a new thing i guess chevy used to require you to drop the gas tank to change the fuel pump i mean these are just like poor engineering decisions that really take the power away from the consumer and the average person to to, you know have control over their their lives and, and their ability to not waste money on unnecessary things uh there's uh there's some new action down in the states around the right right to repair policies uh john was talking about apple um Apple has always kind of opposed uh, your ability to repair your computer products. Well, apparently there's a new story out uh, that Apple has changed their position, and they now uh, support the right-to-repair bill going on in California. So I think there's some good news. Uh, some of the tractor companies, uh, they would not allow farmers to repair their own tractors, which, which is ridiculous. You'd have to go into uh, the dealership and get them to fix fix your tractor, uh, and apparently they've been uh they've been dealt a blow on that and and they've gotta allow farmers to be able to repair their own their own tractors um, you know i i think uh as a little personal commentary it's i think it's always good to buy old stuff you know uh, i i I have an old pickup truck from the early nineteen nineties i can i can fix almost everything on it uh there's no electronics Basically, the only electrical control is the fuel shutoff switch. That's it. Uh, tractors, there's a big demand for older tractors that aren't computerized. That's something I never saw coming. I mean, if you've got an old tractor that's all iron and, and very simple electronics, you can keep keep those things going indefinitely. And now there's a, a big market for those old tractors because all this new junk is just breaking down and nobody can can fix it. I mean... I think there's there's something to be said for these 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 old ways of going about things and and having things that you can repair. I mean, we could go on and on about this and, and talk about it for for the whole rest of the show. Uh, I don't know how much how much more we going to want to go on here, Eric. But there is that. Uh, what was that cooking implement that 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 crock pot? Or it was a hot pot. No, thing. the InstaPot. The InstaPot. That that was a, a really good example there. They went out of business, uh, or they got sold some big corporate agglomerate and they realized nobody was buying new instapots because they don't weren't breaking down that's right they were
8: built it right the first time then chances are good it'll last you right it's uh, let's hit a, a topic close to home for people in prince george how about that high efficiency or mid efficiency furnace you just bought yeah you turn around you replace your furnace that's the big push for high efficiency or mid efficiency so you you drop six grand you put it in this fancy new furnace 24 months it calves that circuit board in there's 1500 bucks to replace it now you know we're talking you know, late november in the month and it's cold 1500 bucks right now is a punch to anybody so you know there's nothing wrong with the, the mid-efficiency older furnaces that had a standing pilot. Change it to an automatic pilot. This is the whole thing with rate to repair. You have to call in a technician to deal with a circuit board that any, anybody can change. I think that's, that's
1: unrealistic. Mm-hmm. So, that, you know, and, and those are all valid arguments. The other side of that argument is that if it lasts forever, you lose your job. You know, a lot of people get out of. They don't sell anymore. They don't manufacture anymore. A lot of your manufacturing companies shut down. You li- you lose hundreds of thousands of jobs because that's where people work making this stuff, and they want you to throw it away as quickly as you can, or they get laid off. So it's a catch 22 What do you think, Peter?
2: Uh, well, yeah, no, there is a problem there. Like the, the, the part of the problem is that the overall economy is uh, based on serving. Private interests, right, and the you know the the, the big companies and all this, they want to have captive consumers, right? You know, from that point of view, right? They, they, they want uh, if there's any problem with a product that you have bought and all this, they want you to have to go to them and uh, pay their rates. So it, it is a it, it is a fundamental problem that keeps reoccurring, right? Is uh, uh, we have this economy that's based on making maximum profit for private interests. Compared to the whole issue of uh, of the needs of people, uh, of the vast majority of people, you know, so that's a that's a contradiction that uh, uh, you, you keep seeing them emerge again and again.
1: Yeah. So, <coughs> and you can't rely on mass transit because you know the people that use mass transit, as a general rule, don't own cars, so they don't even come into the equation. But the people that do, if you go down to Vancouver and uh, Look at the HOV line; it's usually empty because you can't go on there with one person to a car. And you look at the other lines, and they're all full of fancy cars, and one person, and they're really concerned about pollution. That's why the HOV line is empty because nobody really cares about that. It's all DC transit and building bridges and that type of thing. That's what it's all about. The rest of it's flimflam. We live in a flimflam country, and if you want to know something. They give you a bunch of flim-flam and you walk away figuring you learn something. You learn nothing. We're talking here today about, or we're going to try to get into it, about seniors or something. Just as an aside, the uh, 2019 median income for B.C. seniors was $30,750 a month. So just think about that. Compared to 51170 for prime working age population, that's a medium. That means... Or the median, whatever, that means that there's a hell of a lot of people in this country making it a lot more than fifty-one thousand dollars a year, okay, and then you got these people at thirty thousand a year, and they can't afford anything. And if you look in the citizen today, you'll see that just about every service that we have in Prince George is going to be increased over the next four or five years. It's just unbelievable. And you can go in that paper from one end to the next. And if you find something that even indicates that they might be thinking about reducing anywhere, I'd like to see it, because I don't think the reduction is in their vocabulary. We're going to go for a break now, and then we're going to go and maybe go for Justin.
4: The Heart Pioneer Centre is buzzing with activities. Drop in to maintain your physical and mental health with line dancing, canasta, floor curling, pool, and carpet bowling each week, or sign up for fitness programs like Tops, Take Off Pounds Sensibly. Watch for more Get Fit opportunities returning this fall. Pick up the monthly calendar of activities and this month's lunch menu at the center. The Heart Pioneer Center, open to keep you active Monday through Friday, closed on statutory holidays.
6: The Canfor Leisure Pool will be closed for annual maintenance through September 3rd. The maintenance closure has been scheduled prior to the pool's November anniversary date to allow warranty and outstanding building completion items to be resolved. During the closure, swimming lessons will be held at the Prince George Aquatic Center. The Aquatic Center will be closed for its annual maintenance from September 4th to October 9th. The Canfor Leisure Pool is scheduled to reopen
4: September 4th. Prince George-based artist Emily Watson takes you on an uncanny road trip along Highway 16 with Up Around the Bend at Two Rivers Gallery. On through October 1st, Up Around the Bend explores the transitional space between the urban and the wild, considering the complicated presence of humanity within the natural world and takes a new approach to the tradition of Canadian landscape painting. Check out Up Around the Bend through October 1st at Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in Canada Games Plaza. Forecast
6: from Environment Canada, mainly sunny today with fog this morning and local smoke this afternoon. A high of 28 with a high UV index. Clear with local smoke tonight and a low of 9. For Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud with local smoke and a 30% chance of showers late in the afternoon, a high of 26. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince
0: George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: Okay, we're back. I was looking at a headline here. Justin Trudeau should step down before next election. Majority of survey respondents say. So that's kind of interesting. The uh, So I, I'm just going to do a little crystal ball thing. Each one of us can sort of give their take on whether they agree or disagree that he should get out of there. And if he does, what happens? And if he doesn't, what happens? So we're going to start with Herb.
7: Well, you know, every, at the end of every summer, you know, people in Toronto seem to get pretty excited about the uh, outlook for the leafs they get they get very hopeful and about every second summer conservatives start to get pretty excited about the uh, the outlook for uh, the conservative party and the last time that the uh, leafs or the uh, conservatives have been uh, this high in the polls was with um, uh, o'toole Uh, he he almost had exactly the same position in the polls as uh, Poiliev has now, uh, approaching 40%. And um, conservatives are delighted, even though 40%, uh, it's nip and tuck if they might get a majority, probably not. So, I don't know, been here, you know, been there and and, and done that a number of times now. And, um, uh, look, it's... uh, the next election could be as late as October 20th um, uh, of 25, so it's more than two years away. And there's an old saying in politics that uh, a year is an eternity, and Justin's got two. So I, I imagine he's going to you know, try and do whatever he can to improve his poll numbers in the next year or so. Uh, if things don't work out, he probably will step down and uh, pave the way for... Um, I would imagine Friedland, or um, maybe Anita Anand, or uh, Mark Carney. So you know, this uh, is—it's too early to tell. You know, and and you know, conservatives are are pumping a lot of money into uh, advertisements at the moment, and I really don't know why, because I can't—I can't see uh, anyone calling an election very soon at all.
2: Peter uh yeah well, I think that the, you know what what's going against Trudeau is the whole you know simmering economic issues that are uh, uh, affecting a lot of people right now, especially inflation you know when they go to the store and, and so on, or when they try to buy a house or or they, they try to rent a place or whatever and that's that's ongoing, that's continuing on there, so I think that that that's not going to go away in any sort of way. But ultimately, like who makes the decisions usually in the elections in in Canada and and, and the u s and all this it's it's the big business oligarchs who ultimately will decide whether they want to change the horses you know like the, uh, they work on the black rock or, or, or black horse white horse uh, principle right you know where you know, they'll put in place uh, someone like uh, Trudeau for a period of time, but as soon as he gets discredited, they'll bring another horse in, you know, the, the Polyev or whatever, right? But uh, uh, ultimately, uh, that's part of the problem with the whole electoral system and, and how it works and all that is that fundamentally it's the oligarchs and the media and the big business and so on who uh, they they work out who, who they want to, uh, which horse they want to back Uh, and they operate on the basis of uh, the one who is able to uh, basically bring the people along with them or or confuse people enough uh, in terms of what's going on with the economy.
1: Okay, just to uh, touch on Herb's deal there, the Leafs haven't won for quite a while, (laughs) but they still have the biggest fan base in hockey ever, (laughs) and have it every year. And they have more money than any other hockey team. And yeah. the same for the Conservatives. They have no problem collecting money. And that's from individual donors. Don't get confused with the oligarchs or something, because I don't think they donate very much. But individual donors uh, donate to the Conservative Party almost twice as much as they do to the Liberals. So there's lots of dynamics here. Yeah, but you, you know,
7: know like, like the Leafs, the Conservatives <coughs> have a hard time winning, right?
1: Well, but the thing is, <laughs> thing is, there's still half the country waiting for the Leafs to win. They haven't given no, no, up.
7: No, 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 they're they're only yeah. shooting at forty percent at the moment. So, yeah.
1: John, you gonna say something on this subject? Well, um,
8: I'm looking forward to a change. Uh, we can't keep going the way we're going. So, we'll have to see where it goes once uh, we get a little closer to uh, an election call.
1: I'm not going to go with uh, Herb's forecast. I think we'll be in an election before the years, within a year. I just got a sense that the the NDP and the Liberals have to define who they are or join together. You know, this BS pretending there's two different parties, it's not going to last forever. They're either going to have to stand up and be counted or become one party and then it changes the dynamics. And I'm sure that the NDP don't want to be absorbed by the uh, Liberals, so. James?
3: Yeah, I, I agree with uh, with Peter's assessment there. It's it's uh, it's big money that determines the leader, and I think Trudeau's uh, done well to to keep the big money interest in this country uh, behind him. You know, let's just keep shoveling more money over to that uh, TMX pipeline there. What are we up to now, $30 billion? Uh, that's going to keep all the, uh, all the big, uh, you know, oil money in Alberta happy. And... Yeah, he'll he'll get reelected probably with with that alone. I think um, you know it's not about uh, the crisis that that families and, and individuals across this country are, are facing the inflation, uh, the increasing food prices, you know the the Canadian dream if you if you want to call that you know how it's slipping away from so many people how young people can't afford to buy a house. I mean there's there's incredible problems in this country, and any. Proper democratic system would would be punishing, you know, the party that's been in power for the last ten years for this, and it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to happen. You know, all of these all of these everyday crises that people are facing yeah, they're not getting they're not getting the light of day. Like people aren't really hearing about it, but th- there's this huge undercurrent of desperation in this country, and somebody's got to got to deal with it. Now, the now the one thing that conservatives have in their corner is that you know, you talk to conservative supporters here in, in Prince George, they really feel that the conservatives are this outsider party that'll that'll stick it to these these big oligarch uh billionaire interests. Um and I don't I don't really see that uh, and and Paul Polivier has has said some stuff to that effect, you know, about uh about how these billionaires are kind of a failure of the economic system, but I, I highly doubt that the conservatives are going to go in there and deal with this problem properly. I think it's it's just like Peter says; it's it's the same uh, it's the same uh, interests that are going to be supported by by the, by the political party, and and the average person is going to keep will will keep uh, suffering under the current system.
1: Well, I think we we have to. Uh I think we have to go f- to a break, so we'll be back here shortly.
2: The Prince George Council of Seniors is looking for volunteers for its Friendly Phone Call Program to reach out weekly to lonely and shut-in seniors. It doesn't take much to be a social line volunteer. All you need is a cheerful manner on the phone and to pass a criminal record check. For more information or to volunteer for the PGCOS Friendly Phone Call Program, Contact Wendy by emailing hnc at bgcos.ca or call 250 564
6: How would you interpret famous paintings such as the Mona Lisa or the Scream? If you're between the ages of 10 and 18, the downtown branch of the Public Library is giving you a chance to find out. Tuesday, September 12th, is the next session of Famous Paintings, when the library gives young people the opportunity to interpret the old masters in a new way at a free drop-in event. Famous Paintings, September 12th, at the downtown branch of the Prince George Public Library, from 1 to
4: 2. Prince George RCMP has a new section on their website titled, Can You Identify These Individuals? It's a page you can visit to view surveillance photos of people suspected of committing a crime. It also includes contact information for reporting criminal activity to the RCMP or through Northern BC Crime Stoppers. Search for the Prince George RCMP homepage through the locations menu at rcmp-grc.gc.ca and see if you can identify the individuals today. The Prince
6: George Hospice Palliative Care Society has grief support services. Their family grief program supports grieving children, youth, and caregivers through three separate groups. And there's a children's drop-in offered every Tuesday from 3 to 4.30. Adult support services include one-on-one, tea time for the soul, virtual grief support, and more. There's also a COVID long hauler program and coffee for the caregiver. Registration is required for all programs. For more information, visit the Hospice Society's website at pghpcs.ca. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned
0: to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay,
1: we're back, and uh, we just finish off this Justin Trudeau thing. Uh, The country has a lot of problems. Uh, Different areas of the country, more or less, just depends where you're at. Depends on your, like I mentioned earlier, on your income. If you're a real high-paid union guy or something, or a high-paid government worker, not so bad. You know, you're getting 150000 or 90000 or $250,000 a year salary. You don't see it the same way as the seniors that go in the store. Now, the loaf of bread costs you the same, but the pain is different. One can hardly afford to pay for it, and the other one can't make up his mind whether he should get a dozen or just get six this week and six next week. So it all depends on your income and, and your earnings or whatever. But we move now into kind of an area of uh, people feel that they're entitled to these uh, high incomes. I mean, actually, if you want to get into details of it, which I haven't got much, but they're actually causing part of the deflation or inflation that they're asking for increases to solve. So every time you give them another big increase in salary, we get inflation and then they ask for more money because of inflation. So that's part of the insanity. The other part of the insanity is that people making forty and fifty thousand dollars a year are paying taxes to give people making ninety thousand dollars a year an increase in, in salary. You know, what's wrong with that picture, you know? It's not that you can't live on that deal uh, that kind of a salary, of course you can't. It's just that it's like these, some of these companies and they go on the computer and it's July the 2nd and it says increase the uh, fuel surcharge by 2%. So they click the button and you get a 2% increase. No thought went into it. That's just well, we always get a increase for inflation every year. Why can't we get it this year? Well, because people are starving to death and they're losing their jobs and they can't buy groceries and you don't need it. So take some time off from increases. And City Hall should take time off from increasing every bloody thing that they touch and and putting it on our our bill. I haven't seen anything in there to indicate that they're going to reduce anything. I would love to see a 5% decrease in every budget for every manager across the board. And if those guys can't look Mm -hmm. after their jobs and and come up with a 5% decrease in their budgets then the whole world is out there where they can go and work somewhere else. They don't have to stay here and rely on us to give them a job if they can't do the job. Part of the job is to reduce costs, not just to increase it. And it's time that they started earning their money. That's where I'm coming from. John.
8: Yep, totally agree with you. The administrative caucus just sits there and rubber stamps whatever it is that administration wants to push. This time around, it's more increases to all our services. How about turning around and looking at how much actually comes in to the wallet at City Hall and saying, here's your budget, you've got to work below it, not to it and above it, just at that level, period. We can't afford it. Send that message across and be done with it. But no, they keep wanting increases all the time. Nobody's come back with the budget and said, you know, here, we've got savings here, 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 and here. Nobody's done that. Everybody always wants an increase. I thought maybe this time around with this council, they'd turn the budget back to them and say, do some cuts. I want to see some cuts, but we haven't seen that. So, you know, here we are.
1: Just, uh, before, just before we go to Peter and uh, James, there, I just want to say, you know, they we really have to open our eyes and look at what's going on around us. Some of these projects that we have planned downtown, the great downtown that everybody loves to spend money on, Roughly within the next five years, we're looking at $80 million, more or less, that they're going to spend down here. And this is at the same time that they're increasing all our costs for garbage removal and all the rest of it. Now, can we realistically really afford to spend those kind of dollars on recreation and at the same time put people in the poorhouse because they can't pay for their garbage to be picked up? There's something seriously wrong with what's going on in this city, and I am... in. 100% 100% in favor of having an audit for the past 10 years to look into what's happened, how much money we spent, how much we lost on overruns, and when is it going to stop. And I, and I think that's what we're going to have to do if they don't do it on their own. Peter?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't see workers as the the, the cause of uh, inflation, right? Like what, what instead we're having on an international scale as well as a national scale in the last several decades is a huge transfer of wealth Uh, from ordinary people whether they're workers or pensioners or whatever to uh you know the big corporations that which are making uh you know windfall uh, profits in huge ways and it's uh, unprecedented what's what's taking place uh you know so uh, as a result of all this like uh, a lot of things are coming to a head you know like whether it's in the economy with inflation and and so on but um the old arrangements that were put in place after the second world war by by governments and big business and all this they're falling apart and they're falling apart uh, on a national basis and as well as on international basis you know so w- what i think is important here when we when we look at things is not pointing finger not pointing the Fingers at each other, but uh, looking at the overall picture and who's who's benefiting from this, and we know who's benefiting from it in a big way is are the big multinational corporations which are roaming the world like pirates. Well, I'm
1: well, uh, oh, sorry, oh, James. I just got to say that's that's fine, and I agree with you somewhat, Peter. But it's the big unions that are owning the shopping centers, and they got their money invested in all these big corporations that you're talking about, and now they're becoming, you know, the part of the big system. And uh, this idea that these poor unions are out there struggling doesn't exist anymore, unless you have to be the uh, United Food Workers or somebody like that that got the royal shaft. It's not happening. So go I ahead. I, it, yeah, I
7: interesting <laughs> fact. I just want to point this out. Is that uh, last year, Canada was the second, exported the, the second most uh, uh, crude oil of any country in the world after Russia, actually. And... Uh, uh, last year we um, did not make the top 15 exporters of refined oil products in fact we imported refined oil products so that's something that uh, we, we need a national policy in this country i don't see the liberals or the conservatives taking that on and i don't see anyone taking on the corporations
3: yeah sorry i just want to jump in on the on the local politics side of things here and uh i guess uh i've got the the last word here and yeah, we're we're spending money like crazy. Yeah, you've got all these big global issues or whatever, but uh, you know we're going to be spending eighty million dollars on our, a downtown revitalization project. I think people really need to take a look at this. I think a lot of it's unnecessary. I think uh, private enterprise, private land ownership—you know—those are the people who should be leading downtown redevelopment. Uh, I don't think uh, government big mega projects are really worked well in any urban centers as far as revitalizing that urban center. I I wrote about this in a column uh, a a couple months ago. You know, you just end up getting uh, more kind of glitzy institutional architecture that doesn't uh, provide uh, interesting things for people to do and and for businesses. So I I just wanted to, like, wrap it up with with that comment.
1: Okay, that's it. I want to thank everybody for listening. And uh, we won't have a show next Monday because of the holiday, so... There is some good in these holidays. Labor Day. Come out <laughs> Labor for Labor Day. Day. <laughs> Labor Day. We could uh, come out for it and get that free food. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to the panel. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks.
0: After Nine is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. fm After Nine is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Darren Guess, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith.